But anyway, you get the idea. You'll see through the rest of it that B will also match with B in another main theme. Once guys X's this out. Can you just bring it, just minimize it, please? Thank you. B is being against B because you have good news, good reward, and they will remain forever, which is the good news he's talking about. And in the middle, believers and who are the believers. So the definition of believer, those who perform good deeds. So even in the short little uh, uh, patch of ayahs, you see another kind of structure. So again, this is what we're looking for. Again, we call these ring structures where the beginning matches the end, the second matches the second to last, and then the middle kind of becomes the point or the focal point of what we're talking about, right? And this is a diagram I shared with you last week. I want to go a little bit more in depth because it's really important for today. So listen very closely to this. Even the guys in the back getting food and stuff. Yeah, you guys pay attention really quick. So look at these two diagrams. These are the kinds of structures that we're looking at. Is this the only kind of symmetry structure in the Quran? Absolutely not. But these are the ones we're focusing on today. Yeah. On the left, what's the difference between this? They call it, this one is called type one and type two. What's the difference? What's the main difference you see? Yeah, in over here you have A, B, C, D, C, B, A. On the right you have A, B, C, and then two Ds, D, D prime, and then C, B, A. Meaning one of them has one focal point in the middle, and the other one ha- kind of has like a copy. You know what I mean? And what's the difference between these two? There actually is a difference in terms of studying, like when you look at the like the structure. This one. You keep in mind the meaning is in the middle. Should be easy to remember. Meaning in the middle. When one is being highlighted in the middle, in the middle, that is probably the thesis of that group of ayahs. Whereas over here, we're gonna kind of look at like a mirror image. So if you split this in half, you will see a sort of mirror image where these guys are grouped together and these guys are grouped together. If that doesn't make sense, I'm gonna show you uh, the reason I'm putting this out is because we're gonna actually see examples of this as we go through Baqarah. Okay. Now, before we jump into this, last time, last week, the last session, I told you, I gave you guys six examples, six examples. The first two examples were examples of ayat, of like single verses, ayat al-kursi, ayat al-nur. And we talked about the, the structure in those two ayahs. And then I gave you two other examples of two small surahs, Qariya and Uruj, like the small where Buruj is a page, but that's relatively small to compared to others, yeah? Then I gave you the final two examples of medium-sized surahs. We talked about Yusuf, Surah Yusuf, which I just kind of showed you again. And then we also talked about two other kind of big surahs that by themselves, Rahman and Waqiyah, by themselves, they didn't really form a structure, but when you look at them together, they mirror each other. The five points in Rahman were reversed five points in Waqiyah, if you remember that too, right? And if not, you can watch the recording from last week. But then I left you with a little bit of a cliffhanger and, uh, and a question. If it works for ayahs, if it works for small, if it works for medium surahs, what about big surahs? And the example of a big surah is what in Quran? Baqarah. Baqarah, if you don't know, it's the, it, it translates to the cow. Baqarah is a female cow. So this is the chapter of the cow. It's the second chapter in the book. It is by every means the longest chapter in the book. Famously, even Muslims... We all know this is the largest chapter in the book. If you start reading it's Fatiha and then Baqarah, Baqarah is the largest. You'll notice that by the way in Quran, which we're going to come back to later, you'll notice for the most part, not completely, but for the most part, the ayahs get smaller as you go. 
right? Like in the beginning, it's the longest. Obviously we know this, like it gets kind of not completely, it's not like it's ordered big as the smallest, but for the most part, you see kind of a trend down to smaller and smaller pseudos. Keep that in mind. We're going to come back to that later, inshallah. But we're going to talk about the biggest one because we should, if we want to test this idea of structure to the extreme, then if Baqarah can handle it, then the rest can handle it too. You understand where we're logically going from here? Like we worked, for, we worked on this with smaller surahs. Let's work on, a, on the biggest surah, test it to the extreme and see if we can really find this everywhere. Does it follow where I'm going right now? Okay, bismillah. So a couple things I want to review with you guys before we move forward. Important things. It quickly, we'll, because we did this last week a little bit, but two especially important things and we'll, everything from here will be new inshallah, okay? So the first thing, remember that Quran is not a written thing. It is a what? Everyone? Spoken oral thing. This is something spoken. Even Quran itself has nothing to do with writing. Quran has nothing to do with writing. Quran meaning the grand recitation. Qara'a is to recite more than it is to read, right? So this is a spoken thing. And I gave you kind of a dichotomy of choices. I gave you two choices because really, even on a scholarly level, you have two choices. Either you believe the, this is the word of God that he revealed to Jibreel salam, the archangel, and then put in the mouths of Muhammad wasallam. Therefore, it is the word of Allah. That's option one. Or option two, it's the words of who? Muhammad. These are the two options, logically. I and mean, coming from even a non-Muslim perspective, these are kind of the two choices you have. We, I, we went over other options last week. I don't want to go over them again. They don't really make much sense. So we're going to stick to these main two. Does that make sense? But now comes as a Muslim, as believers, now we want to test their claim. Let's test the claim that it is in fact the word of a man. Let's try to make that make sense. Does that make sense? That's what we're doing, especially with Baqarah today. So that's number one. Everything that we're going to review, every example I give you, it was spoken before it was ever written. Make sense? Okay. The next one we talked about last time a little bit. I'm going to go into a little bit more detail. There's 114 surahs. Again, when, it, when you hear surah, it's chapter. We, it's kind of, we understand it as a chapter. 114 surahs. When the Quran came down, a lot of Muslims don't really know this. When it came down, it was not like given all surahs all down at once. It was given piecemeal, little pieces put together. Imagine like a game of Tetris, but the blocks don't disappear and the pieces are falling and filling in the gaps as they go over 23 years. That's how Quran was revealed. It was not revealed chapter one and then two and then three and then four, not at all. In fact, the first revelation everyone was what? Who knows? Iqra, yeah. And where is that? Towards the beginning, middle or end? Way toward, not at the very end, but towards the end, way towards the end. One of the last surahs revealed, right? And the last thing revealed is actually towards the beginning. So really it's not like this one, two, three order. Yeah. Pay especially in mind with Baqarah, this is actually extremely important. And let's talk about Baqarah specifically. So now this is all new stuff. Yeah. So now we're getting into, let's study structure and Quran through the, through the lens of this huge, humongous, biggest surah that we have. Surah Baqarah's largest surah, 286 ayahs. Ayah, you think, you see here ayah, you think verse. But really, I'm going to use the word ayah because verse doesn't really cover it, okay? Remember this number. How many verses again? This is not going to be important until later. It won't be important until later, but remember it. 286 verses, okay? It is, I didn't read it up here. It is 47 pages, around 50 pages. 49, it depends on the format. Okay, let's say around 50 pages, okay? And... Um, it takes, if you were to recite it beginning to end in Arabic, it would take about an hour and a half. And we're talking about a lot of speech. It's not a little bit of speech. So again, keep that in mind as well. However, even Baqarah was not revealed all at once, obviously. It's huge. It makes up for like one thirtieth plus of the Quran, yeah? 
This was actually revealed over a period of about eight years. Some say 10, but I'm more convinced I've seen eight, okay? And the majority revealed in the first year and a half, meaning even Bakara, think of Bakara by itself as like a game of Tetris where the blocks don't disappear, but you still have to match them up. It was falling and all these pieces were falling out. And by the end, you get this, you get this uh, mosaic of these blocks, of these ayat coming together in one surah. Does that make sense? And that took about eight years. And the two other things I want you to know about Bakara, just as an overall, what does Bakara really talk about? When you think about when it was revealed, the Prophet in Mecca had a terrible time. He was being persecuted. We know this, like even basic his story, the basics of his story. The Meccan period, when he was in Mecca, he was being completely persecuted as people were being tortured. And then he moved to a city called Medina. In Medina, they formed a new Muslim union. You really got to think about this in terms of even politics. This is a new state. They're not just spiritually free now, they're politically free. So now Bakara comes down and gives them laws, gives them a new identity, marks them as a new community. The, the, the subject, or I'm sorry, the audience, the intended audience, and this is actually a very interesting study of Quran, who is the intended audience of the surah that I'm reading is an amazing thing to think about. But for Bakara, I'll tell you, it is really kind of, it's mostly one, but it's also a second. Mostly the audience are believers, people who already believe actually. It's actually people who already believe. And the second sub-audience are non-Muslims with the propensity to believe, that maybe have an inclination to believe. That's the audience of Bakara. Are you following so far? So this is kind of like, you know how like America has a declaration of independence? We have Bakara. That's, that's, it's like our declaration of independence is Bakara actually, okay? And also this is revealed during a really difficult time. It's not like it was just them sitting around waiting for Quran. There were battles, there was political strife, there was hypocrisy, there was treason, there was bloodshed. It was a, a really difficult time for the Muslims being attacked from every, literally every direction. So it was a lot of political and even uh, 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 you know, physical strife that they were being attacked by all fronts, okay? Now, let's actually jump into this thing, keeping these things in mind. Do you, does anyone though, listen, this is important. If you are not understanding these points, you will not fully appreciate me going forward. We're gonna jump right in immediately. I need to make sure you guys are with me though. You guys with me? Last week I challenged you, I think, with like a straight hour of these things. This, I need you to think even more. I need you really with me. So try your best, focus. I'm gonna try to make it as exciting as possible as I go, but try to focus, stay with me. And I, I promise we'll have these checkpoints of appreciation leading to an amazing grand result, I promise. But you have to stick with me here, especially with these, these boring points, I'll call them, okay? Bismillah, all right, moving forward. Let's actually talk about Bakara. I am literally, I have a headache how excited I am to talk about this. Well, like all morning, I'm like, I was like dizzy. Listen to this. Bakara is, is big. It's as big as a cow even, some say. Would you believe it? Crazy. Thank you one person for laughing at that joke. It is, thank you. Thank you so much. All right, I'm done for the day. It's a huge suda. I'm not obviously gonna spend the next, what time is it? I'm already late. I'm not gonna spend the next hour and a half talking from ayah one to ayah, what was the last ayah? How many ayahs? Thank you, 286. Thank you so much, remember that number. I'm not gonna talk from one to 286 because that would take much more than the hour that I have left that I have with you, you understand? But I am gonna start from the beginning. And I'm gonna start actually, I'm gonna tell you, I really was wrestling in my brain, what's the best way to present all this information? And this is the way that I chose, but I need you again, pay close attention. Bakr is huge. But if you look at the major themes, the major, who actually read it by the way, like I asked, did anyone actually read it? Thank you so much. Two? Well, I'll take it. Thank you guys. So you guys can appreciate at least that there were some pretty, sometimes minor changes in theme, but sometimes major changes in theme. Like what is this doing here? 
That happens in Baqarah. It happens all over the Quran. It's called iltifat. When Allah changes a subject, you have to pay close attention. It demands you to think. It demands you to use your brain. But there are multiple major themes of Baqarah. Multiple, I'll call them sections of Baqarah. I'm not going to give you the number yet because I don't want to give it away. But there are multiple sections of Baqarah. How many sections of Baqarah? You don't know yet. I didn't tell you yet. I'll tell you soon. But we're going to start with section one, obviously. We'll start with the first section of Baqarah. The first section is fairly large. It is the first, if you see VV, it's just verses. So don't get confused by these anyway. One through 39. So up until Ayah 39. Why did I draw this line? Why was this line drawn? The first 39 verses, and this is them, by the way, just to give you a visual, you don't have to read anything. I just want to give you a visual of how big this is. This is almost five pages. This is all of it. You don't have to read it. I just want to give you yani, the page in front of you. And I'm going to do stuff with it in a minute too. Okay. But you'll see, this is the first section. And it ends at Ayah 30, it's cut off, but it ends at Ayah 39. At Ayah 40, there's this drastic subject change. All of a sudden it says, Ya Bani Israel, people of Israel, children of Israel. And you're like, what? We were talking about belief and Adam and Asana, and all of a sudden talking to the Jews. What kind of subject change is that? That's where we say that's the end of section one, section two begins. This is what I mean by themes. You, you kind of decide the structure of Quran through the themes that change. Not to say this is all one story or one topic. This is actually multiple topics in and of itself. But these are topics that have a direct correlation versus an extreme subject change. Anyway, I'm, I'm talking too much. This is section one. That's the point. Section one is what's in front of you. What's in front of you is section one. Section one. How many sections? You don't know yet. Thank you. Yes, you don't know yet. Okay. Now, in section one, who actually looked up, because no one gave me a thumbs up on my wife. Who, gave, who actually looked up the, the, I told you between Ayah 2 and 23, who actually looked it up? Okay, again, the only one. Oh, good. No? Oh, you're not a hand raise. Put your coffee down. All right, so one, two actually did it, and I was the third, th I was the second thumbs up, which is so sad. So thank you guys for that. It hurt my feelings. But there are, before we get into any sort of major structure, Salam Hassan. <laughs> mashallah, Abu Hassan. Im Hassan, mashallah. Okay, so... In section one, we have a lot of these connections that I want to actually put forward to you before we talk about overall structure, okay? So for example, and what was, by the way, last week I gave you a, a kind of a vocab word. Do you remember, remember the word anchor? Do you remember that word? What is an anchor? Who can remind me what an anchor is? Just say it out loud. When you see a similar word. Yeah, if you see like a word, or it could be a phrase or a name or even a root word like fa'ala becomes yaf'alu later, or whatever, fa'al, whatever. You see any sort of similarity, whether it's a story or a word or a phrase or a sentence or even an ayah that's almost identically the same, and they're close in proximity, they don't even have to be, but if they are especially close in proximity, you would say, Allah is trying to get me to connect these two things for some reason. Does that make sense? Because this surah is so huge, I want to focus on that for a little bit before we go into structure. You with me? So I pointed out a few things. If you look, for example, at ayah 2 and ayah 23, what was the common word you found? Raib. This is the scripture in which there is no doubt. And in 23, if you are in doubt, make a surah like it. So raib in the beginning, raib towards the middle. It's as if to open up by saying there is no doubt. And then there's subject, subject, subject. By the way, if you're still in doubt, make a surah like it. It's like calling back to the beginning. Remember I said there's no doubt? Now what are you going to do? Now that I spoke, what are you going to do? The next one I want to show you is the word ghaib, unseen. So in verse 3, you have bil ghaib. In 33, 
I know the ghaib. I know the unseen. Notice, by the way, it's not just the English to pay attention to, it's the Arabic here. The root letters are the same, ghaib and ghaib. So, and I also want to call out beginning and end of the section, right? So even from the beginning to the end, you're seeing a similarity in words being used. Next up, it's a little cut off. All of these four have to do with the word to know in Arabic, alima ya'lamu. Okay, so in 13, it is they who are the fools, but they don't know. In 22, do not attribute rivals to God while you know, ta'lamun. Those who believe know, ya'lamun, that is the truth. In verse 30, I know, a'lamu, what you do not know, ta'lamun. And in 31, wa'allama adam. It's taught in English, so it's a different word in English, but in Arabic it's the same, allama. So you have knowledge being a, a constant theme in this section. Isn't that cool? Four, we who believe in what was sent down unzila and what was also sent down before you, sent down to you and sent down before you. So you have nazala twice to send down. In 22, and he sent down water from the sky, anzala again. And then also in the next ayah 23, if you are in doubt about what we have sent down, nazalna on our slave, then bring a surah like it. Same ayah, but different anchor this time. And by the way, again, these are supposed to make you think. They're not just there for fun. So what is a way that we can think about these three anchors? So in section one, we see sending down comes in three different ayahs. I want to point this out to you before I ask you, okay? Four and 23, what's being sent down in four and 23? Revelation, Quran, but really it's revelation. Revelation's being sent down in four, Revelation's being sent down in 23. But what's being sent down in 22? Revelation again? Rain. So Allah is now putting in the believer's mind a comparison between revelation and what? Water. Rain coming down from the sky. And I'll spell this out for you a little bit because it's explained other places. Just like water falls down, just like water is sent down and hits the dead earth and brings dead earth back to life. Similarly, Allah sends down Quran, revelation, that hits your dead heart and brings your dead heart back to life. So he's calling for you to think about what's being sent down and tying water to revelation. So now when you drink water, you think of it differently. Now when you rain, you think of rain differently. This is what Quran does to your mind if you pay attention to these connections. Are you seeing that? Let's go to another one. This one's long, but listen, the phrase here, the, the key word here is corruption. In 11, when it is said to them, do not cause corruption, la tufsidu. They say we're reformers. And 27, those who break God's covenant and cause corruption on the earth. And then in 30, when Allah said to the angels, I'm gonna make a khalifa, I'm gonna make a human being on the earth. They said, are you gonna cause someone on the earth who will cause corruption? It's almost calling to you that you learned about people who are causing corruption. And then the angels are called out, wait, we know they're gonna cause corruption. So corruption comes in an example and it comes as a statement later. Again, beginning and end, okay? And lastly, they will have gardens and they will have purified spouses in those, garbage, uh, in those gardens. By the way, zawj does not mean wife. In colloquial, it means wife. Zawj in true Arabic, it just means spouse. So a zawj, uh, the wife is a zawj, the husband is a zawj, yeah? So it's partners. So anyway, gardens and zawj, and then later on, zawj and garden. Shortly, a page later, it's reversed. Okay, these are not all of them. These are almost all of them. Just look at it. And this is not fake. I did not just randomly draw. I took the time to actually draw an arrow between any two verses that were an anchor. 
It was hard with the ones that had four and five, I had to keep, but you get the idea. This is not a jumbled mess. This is actually anyone that can read Arabic, get up and you can actually see these are actual connections. Isn't this wild? This is what you call intertextuality, by the way. It's almost like, it's like a, it's like a, like a mosaic in a way, or like a tapestry actually, where things are like woven together. Actually, that's what kitab means when things are stitched together. That's a kitab, it's a book. When it's stitched together, imagine these things are like pieces of string and you're tying on one end and tying at the other and everything's just pulled together with all these common ideas, subhanAllah. You see that? That's incredible. The, the, just, the, just the consistency of the language being used and the ideas being used. This is just a number of anchors that I wanted to show and how they connect subhanAllah, okay? Now, let's take a step back and get into the meat of it with the structure. This is what section, by the way? Which, which section is this are we talking about again? Section number one. Section number one, actually you can break it down into smaller themes. You can break it down even further to smaller themes. So I wanna talk about, just break down a little bit what's happening in section one as an overview and then we'll get into specificities. So in the beginning, focus on this gray square, square over here, you have Allah talking about faith and believers. Okay? People that believe, that believe in what was sent down, they, they spend of their money, they establish the prayer, and they, will, they are the successful ones. A bunch of qualities of believers, okay? After believers, what would, it be, what would it make sense to talk about after believers? Yeah, disbelievers. So in the red, he talks about disbelievers. He talks about actually a couple of brands of dis disbelievers. The first one is just the hardcore, I don't care, I don't wanna believe, I don't care if it makes sense or not, I don't, this is what we call a kafir. And then it goes on and talks about hypocrisy. Hypocrisy in Islam is when someone has a heart of a disbeliever, but tries to wear the clothes of a believer, meaning he tries to, you know, get others to believe that he's a believer, but inside he's still what? A disbeliever. So really it's just a subgroup of disbeliever, you understand? And then after this, he talks about two examples. These examples are so powerful that actually my best friend converted because of these two examples. These two examples are examples of what it feels like or what it looks like to be a disbeliever. The two examples, I don't want to go in detail. Maybe someday we'll do this in detail, but right now I don't want to. The first one is an example of it being, it's actually pitch black in both examples, keep in mind. In the first one, someone lit a fire and then Allah took the fire away and then they're in darkness. You know, the ayah, someone bukmun amyun, they're deaf, dumb and blind. That comes from this example. And the second example is now that it's completely dark, they don't know where to step. You know, when lightning strikes and everything looks like it's morning for a second. When it's morning for a second, they step a little bit, but when it comes dark again, they stop again. My friend, I swear to God, I don't want to spend too much time on this. My friend, especially from that second example, was like, that's exactly what it felt like. A lot of us don't really know because we're, we've been here. Yani, you know, we, our parents taught us. But people that come to Islam, a lot of them, they'll read this and they'll be like, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah? Anyway, so there's that. After talking about belief and disbelief, Allah kind of changes the subject. And He says, Ya nas, people, mankind. Notice He's not saying believers. He's saying, people, mankind, listen up. Believe in or worship your master. So after talking about belief, after talking about disbelief, he has an open invitation. Which one do you want? You understand? And here he talks about creation and talks about the challenge of make a surah like it. If you don't believe, prove it, prove it that you actually have a doubt. And he goes into belief again and talks about creation. Okay. Now, after talking about creation a little bit, he then goes back to the beginning of creation with Adam. This last section is Adam, alayhi salam. You understand the logical flow so far? 
believer, disbeliever. Now that you understand that, let's talk about your invitation and we'll talk about creation. And then we'll go to the beginning of creation and talk about Adam and and the angels and Satan. You understand the logical progression? This is why section one is section one, it's just interwoven. How many parts do you see in section one? One, two, three, four, five. You don't know how many sections overall in Baqarah yet. You don't know yet, I didn't tell you. But section one has how many parts? Five sections. Now we're gonna go deep into each of these subsections, okay? So on the top, guys, go ahead. I'm not, no, not yet. I don't wanna highlight yet. I, I, I purposely did not wanna highlight yet, but thank you, okay. I'll tell you as we go. So on the top, when you see one, one, or one, two, you're gonna see one, 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 two, one, three, one, four, and one, five. Obviously, I mean section one, part one, section one, part two, you get it, yes? So there's five parts of section one, okay. Part one, I told you was about believers. Now let's see what's, what's said. What I'm gonna show you, by the way, is not an exact ayah translation, it's just to give you the main themes of each theme. You understand? Because I wanna hurry up with this and show you more cool stuff, inshallah, okay? So it starts off, Alif Lam Mim. This is the scripture concerning which there is no doubt, a guidance for the God conscious Al-Muttaqeen. Those who believe in the unseen, who establish prayer and they spend from what Allah gave them, from what God gave them. Those who believe in what was sent down to you and what was set down before you and in the afterlife they are certain, it is they who are upon guidance from their master, it is they who are the successful ones. You guys, especially if you were here last week, this comes to no surprise to you. Section one forms what again we define as a ring structure. A and A, what is the main idea here? Guidance. Guidance is repeated twice, okay? Here, they're God conscious, here they're successful, but guidance is the common theme. In B, you have those who believe. In B prime, you have those who believe. You see this? So even this is creating a sort of structure. Here, you can say it highlights the actions. Here, you can say it highlights the belief a little bit more, okay? And I wanna point out something here, by the way, another kind of pattern that you see here, it starts off, with guidance, it then goes to faith, then it goes to two actions, oops, and then to faith again, and it ends off with guidance. So it's just this short but perfect summary, what does it mean to be a person of faith? You see that? That is section, the part one of section one of Baqarah so far. Who remembers, what's, what is the next topic of this? After believers, it's disbelievers. So let's take a look at them. So disbelievers, it starts off talking about whether you warn those who disbelieve or not, they already made up their minds. They will not believe their hearts, their vision, their hearings are sealed. Okay. Next up, among the people are those who say we believe. And notice those who say, because on the inside, they're still disbelievers, but do not really believe. They seek to deceive, but only deceive themselves they will be punished because they lie. When it is said to them, do not cause corruption, they say we're only trying to make peace, but no, they are the corrupter. So Allah is calling them out for what they really are. And then when it is also said to them, believe, like the people have believed, they said, are we gonna believe like idiots believe? And then no, they are the idiots. So fahat, fools are idiots. When they meet the believers, they say we believe, but when they go back to their devils in private, they say we were only mocking them. God mocks them, their transactions does not profit them. They are deaf, dumb, and blind. They lit a fire, but God took away the light. God takes away their sight by that lightning that I told you about earlier, yeah? Again, you will see what? 
On the top, hearts, vision, hearing, gone. On the bottom, deaf, dumb, blind. <laughs> this is just so cool, man. This is just so cool. Uh, took away the light. And by the way, I want to talk about this. There's kind of two sights or two lights in a way. There's the physical light. There's the physical light of the, like you can see me right now, I hope. And then there's a spiritual light of you being able to kind of see with your heart in a way. There are some people they can see, as we have seen, who can look at atrocities and they're blind to them. They don't care. You guys know what I'm talking about. I don't have to spell it out for you. These people have no spiritual light. They can't see. They're blind here. They can see, but they can't see. The physical blindness, spiritual blindness. Covered up in one. Unbeaten. By the way, don't try to read it. Please stick with me while I, because I know I'm showing you a lot at the same time. Here, they say we believe and be prime. They say we believe. And then here, by the way, they seek to only deceive. Here, they say we are only mocking. So it's, they, it's an intention of what they're trying to do. See, when it is said to them, both of them obviously see and see prime. It starts with when it is said to them something, they say something, and then Allah negates the thing that they said. So when they say, when it's said to them, do not cause corruptions, they say we're reformers. No, they are corruptors. When it is said to them, believe, shall we believe like the fools believe? No, they are the fools. You see how that's set up? You tell them something, they say something, Allah says, no, no, no. You, you see that? It's beautiful, subhanAllah. You see how so far everything is connected in section one so far, as we're seeing so far, yeah? Let's go a little bit further. So far we have these two contrasting groups. We have part one was what again? Faith and believers and part two, as we see in front of you, disbelievers. What if we compare these two parts against each other? Shall we do that? Check this out. Stick with me, there's a lot of writing. On the left side, on A, guidance, guidance. On the, t on the right side with A, what di misguidance looks like, what misguidance looks like. Literally an example of misguidance. On B, those who believe, those who believe. B on this side, those who say we believe, those who, <laughs> those who say we believe. Again, they say it, but they don't actually have it in their heart. You understand? He'll give them the tongue, but he won't give them the heart. And, on, and in the middle, you have actions and actions that they do. Even when you compare these two parts together, even like horizontally, you can match them up and compare them. Again, the question comes, how does a man speak like this without going back and editing and bringing the parts together? Like, oh, this was said a year ago. I'll put it here. <laughs> how, does someone, how does someone do this? I said this seven years ago. Remember it was eight years, yeah? I said this seven years ago. Let me bring it to the front because it matches. How does someone think like that? This is supernatural. Now, I told you before, and you were ignoring me because it was boring, but I'm going to say it again. When you have a ring structure where you have like two Bs or two middles, what does that mean? You can kind of cut it in half. So let's cut it in half. Here, you have in the, uh, on B, on, pay attention to the left side first. On B, on this side, you have these actions, and these actions are what make you God conscious. And A up here. And then you have here, they are certain in the afterlife and that is what makes them successful. So the two parts come together. You know, you ever like um, when you were in first grade, you fold it, your teacher made like fold a piece of paper in half and then you draw half of a butterfly and with paint and then you close it and when you open that up, it's like a full. That's kind of what we're looking at here. 
it's like this, you split it in half and you have this picture in front of you now. And over here, it actually gets even more crazy. Pay attention to this part first. I'm gonna actually point to it so you can pay attention. Over here, do not cause corruption. We are reformers. No, they are corruptors. And what's the proof they are corruptors? Because they lie. And of course they lie because they lie to themselves. <laughs> over here. Believe, they say, are we gonna believe like the idiots believe, like the fools believe? No, they are the fools. They mock other people and they are dumb. You see the key words tying it together? So not only can you kind of put one and two together, you can split one and two on their own and compare it to each other too. Very interconnected, very interconnected. How many sections did I say, how many parts did I say again? We did the first two, how many are there total? Five, okay, let's go to three. This one has a lot of topics, but really in a, in a couple of words, it's God's invitation. Now that you know belief and disbelief, worship your master, obey your master. Yes, enslave yourself to your master even. So let's break this apart, this, this number three. Again, I have to call this out. There's five and this is the third one, meaning this is the center. So pay close attention to this because the center is important always, right? Kind of gave it away. But listen, in the beginning, mankind, Worship your Lord who created you, who made the earth and sky for you and the earth's fruit. Do not set up rivals to him while you are aware, while you know. B, it talks about disbelievers and their reaction to revelation. Remember, if you really are still in doubt, make a surah like it then. Meaning God's actually questioning, you're not really in doubt, you're making stuff up. But if you are in doubt, bring me a surah like it. Fatu bi surah mithrihi. So that's the disbelievers and their, their uh, relationship with revelation. Then paradise for those who do good deeds. Then again, disbelievers in Revelation. This time, it's not about doubt, it's about them making fun of Revelation, actually. This is them making fun of Revelation. And at the end, he gave you a life and will resurrect you. He created you for all that is on the earth and he created all that's what's on the earth and in the skies for you. He knows all things. Again, over here, you will see, he created you, he knows all things. He made the earth, he created you for all this. So it's creation on both sides. Creation is being highlighted. B and D prime, I don't, do I have to, you get it, yes? Both talking about disbelievers and their, uh, their uh, relationship with revelation and the center, paradise for those who believe and do good deeds. The motivation, okay? For four, bismillah, for four. Now we go into the story of Adam and Asenam, okay? This is section four of the first section of Baqarah. We're gonna go into Adam and Islam. Pay attention to this. This is, maybe you'll find it before I tell you, but pay attention to what we're talking about here. It starts off where Allah makes the famous announcement, I'm going to put a leader on the earth. He announces it to the angels. The angels then respond with the famous question, are you going to make someone on the earth that's going to cause corruption and shed blood? And Allah's response, God's response to the angels was, I know what you do not know. Next up, Allah teaches Adam the names of things. He teaches, he, like basically the education. He teaches them the names of things on the earth, okay? The angels are commanded to inform them of, of these names if they can. In the center, they praise Allah. They say, Subhanak, you are so perfect, exalted, right? So Subhanak really means you are beyond this. You are so perfect. We have no knowledge except what you taught us. Indeed, it's you who are knowing the wise. Remember this, the knowing the wise, okay? Next, Adam informs the angels of the names that he learned. 
Then Allah says back to the angels, didn't I tell you that I know the unseen of the heavens and the earth? I know what you manifest. I know what you make obvious. I know what you conceal. And it ends off, Allah commands the angels, make sujood for Adam, prostrate to Adam. Okay. Calling out the obvious here, Allah makes an announcement to the angels to do something with Adam. Allah says something to the angels to do something for Adam. Allah, angels, Adam, Allah, angels, Adam. See that? On B, the angels question Allah. I know what you don't know is his response. And Allah says, didn't I know that I know what you don't know? (laughs) On C, Allah teaches Adam the names. On C prime, Adam informs the angels of the names. So the teacher teaches the student, the student teaches his students. And in the middle, the angels confess the famous statement, the famous statement, Subhanak la ilma la, la ilma lana illa ma'alamtana. We only know whatever it is that you taught us. You are beyond perfect, Subhanak, okay? But that's not the full story. What character did we not talk about in the story yet? Iblis. Iblis. Shaitan, yeah? That's the next part. The last section, mind you, because I told this is five parts of section one, yes? Now Satan enters the mix. He was not mentioned yet. Okay, it starts off by saying, and this is the same ayah where it says that the angels were commanded to make sujood. فَسَجَدُوا إِلَّا إِبْلِيسِ Satan refuses to prostrate to Adam. He was one of the disbelievers. And when I add this, I really mean, كَانَ مِنَ الْكَافِرِينَ Allah says, he, was of the, he calls out, he was a kafir, he was a disbeliever. Okay? Then God tells Adam and Eve, dwell in the garden, but do not go near a specific tree. You guys, this is Sunday school stuff, you know this stuff. See, Satan causes them to disobey. They are all commanded to go down, meaning descend from heaven, descend from Jannah, from paradise. In the middle, Adam acquired words from his Lord and he accepted his repentance. Indeed, it is he who was returning merciful. Notice, this is not the first time we saw two names being used. And there's more words on this part too. What words were these? When he made the mistake, Allah taught him how to make istighfar, taught him how to ask for forgiveness, right? That's how the story goes. Moving on, they are all commanded again, ihbitu, go down from here. God assures Adam and Eve, whoever follows my guidance, there will be no fear upon them, nor will they grieve. Where else were they that they didn't have fear and they didn't grieve? Was the garden. And the ending, but those who disbelieve and deny our signs, they are the companions of the fire remaining in it. You have disbeliever at the end, disbeliever in the beginning, Allah tells Adam and Eve, dwell in the garden, do not go near a specified tree. This is a commandment. This is a commandment. Allah says, go down to the earth, just like they said, go down the garden. He said, go down to the earth. Whoever follows my guidance, meaning my commandments, there will be no fear upon them, nor will they grieve. You see the connection there? If not, if anything, commandment, commandment. The guidance are commandments, the laws. Satan causes them to disobey and see. They are told to all go down. Again and see they're told to go down and in the middle, Adam is given words by Adam and Asanam. Now, remember in the beginning, we compared believers to disbelievers and now we have Adam and the angels and now Adam and Satan. So maybe let's compare these two together too. Yeah? If I put these right next to each other, again, I call out to you. Last time we saw like the, the double middles, right? Like CC or DD or whatever it was before. Here now it's a single focal point. So now I want to focus and compare these two middles. On the le- so look at the, the, the D on the left and then D also for section five, yeah? Over here, the angels basically make tasbih, subhanak, like we say subhanallah, 
You are so perfect. Like we say, SubhanAllah, La ilaha illallah, Alhamdulillah. We praise Allah with these things, with these adhkar, with this dhikr, this remembrance. And on the right side, Adam is given dhikr. The angels are saying dhikr. On the right, Adam is given dhikr. The, the angels do tasbih, Adam does istighfar. Both of them are talking to Allah and praising Him in a way. And also notice the obvious here, two names of Allah, the knowing, the wise, two names of Allah, the returning, the merciful. So even the middle is tied together, SubhanAllah. See that? I wanna call out that here, the highlight is knowledge, right? The knowing the wise. Everything else goes back to his knowledge and wisdom. He taught the names, he taught the names. Don't I know what you don't know? I know what you don't know. Everything comes back to the middle, knowledge, right? And over here, what's the middle? Repentance. Everything here goes back to repentance. Disbelief, disobeying a commandment, going down from Jannah. Again, disbelief, follow the commandments. If you mess up, repentance. Every, it's, like, it's like two wheels connected with an axle. You know what I mean? SubhanAllah, that's amazing. Okay, who can remind me? I can't go forward yet. How many sections did we talk, this, these parts that we talked about so far, then we'll take a break. How many parts of section one so far? Five, who can, uh, with me now, part one was faith in believers. Part two, disbelievers. Part three, the invitation of Allah to all humanity, not just believers, disbelievers, but everybody. Part four, Adam and the angels. Part five, Adam and Satan. If you don't see it yet, I'll show you. I'm gonna put part one and two, Part three, part four, and five. Again, part one, believers. Part two, disbelievers. I'm gonna skip part three. Four, Adam and the angels. Five, Adam and Satan. Do you not see how the angels are being juxtaposed against believers, Satan against disbelievers? Do you see that? Even the macro, man. Like they were all rings, but even when you zoom out, it's still a freaking ring. And in the middle, people believe. And by the way, the middle of the middle, the promise of paradise for people who choose belief. Again, we go back to our dichotomy. Either you believe it's the word of what again? Allah, or the word of a human, Muhammad. But then we have to give the burden of proof, they have to provide it to us. Prove that it's the word of a man. I have more evidence to show you the opposite. This is, I'm gonna use the word, this is supernatural. This is supernatural that a, a man speaks for 30 minutes and does this. That even if you zoom into any one part, it has its own structure. That is beyond human cap capability. Are we all on the same page with what the heck just befell our eyes? Yes? Beautiful. I, of course, do not want to talk about every section like I mentioned before. How many sections of Baqarah, by the way? You don't know. Yes, you don't know yet. But I'm going to talk about one more section and then we'll be finito and we'll show you the rest of it, okay? Section two uh, is going to be, so here's section one, one through 39. We talked about this. We saw the structure of this overall and in the micro for the most part, not all of it. Section two, now we go into a long passage, criticism of the Israelites. A lot of Baqarah talks about Bani Israel. 
Literally one of the nicknames of Baqarah is Surat Bani Israel. And the reason of that is because it talks about them so gosh dang much. Why does it talk about them so much? I wanna remind you something about Baqarah that's super important. I'm sorry guys, hold on. I wanna remind you about uh, Baqarah, something really important is that this is like the new Ummah's constitution, yes? So to give them a good identity, it gives the identity to a believer as Baqarah, it, it brings, it calls back to attention people that messed up in the past. Don't be like them. Yes? This does not mean that all of Bani Israel were all messed up. That does not mean that at all. It means there were believers, Muslims before you that messed up and here's how they messed up. Don't be like them. You get the overall theme of this? That's what this section is gonna go into for the most part, yeah? Before though, we gotta talk about our anchors. I love anchors. So there's anchors even between the sections. We don't have time to go over the actual anchors of section two. They're there, I just don't have time to talk about them. We're gonna just skip into the conversation of between these ginormous sections of one and two, do they have anchors between them? And you know the answer is yes. So we're gonna talk about a few of these anchors with this cool fade out stuff. So first in the beginning, you have one of the metaphor of hypocrites is they put their fingers in their ears against the sawaq, against the thunderclaps. Like they hear thunder and they go like this, out of fear of death. And in verse 55 of in section two, I don't have to keep saying one and two, yeah? In verse 55, a thunderbolt struck them dead. God revived them after their death, after their mouth. By the way, sawaiqa, sa'iqa, yes? So same jidr. Any Arabic student, no Arabic student. Same root letters, same root letters. So it's calling back to the, to the, to the example of disbelief in the previous section, subhanAllah. Over here, literally, it's actually exactly the example. They're literally struck with a thunderbolt. That needs more thought. Verse 24, a warning to disbelievers to fear the fire. This is amazing, listen to this one. If you ignore them all, I don't care, but let's listen to this one for like three seconds. A warning to disbelievers, fear, this is section one, Fear the fire whose fuel is men and stones. Now what does this mean? One interpretation of this is their hearts became so hard like a what? Like a stone. But the fire is so hot, it'll even melt their hard hearts. Their hearts won't even be that hard. The fire will melt their hearts away. Their hearts became nothing and the fire will burn it away. And in section two here, Stones come up, this isn't all the references of stones, by the way. It's not, it's just two of them. In section two, Moses prayed for water for his people. Strike the hajar, the rock with your staff. Not stuff. Allah, I've vetted this 10 times, I still make mistakes. Then your hearts become hardened after that, being like stones, hijara, or even harder. Notice, hearts like stones, hearts like stones. Yeah? Indeed, there are stones from which rivers gush forth. So it's calling to our attention that even when stones get hard, there's still a chance of them being redeemed. It's not the end all be all. You can strike a rock and a river comes out, a stream comes out, right? SubhanAllah. So it's comparing hearts to stones and again comparing hearts to stones. Next, angels in verse 30, will you make on it those who cause corruption on it and shed blood? And the same thing in 60, Moses said to Israelites, do not transgress fil ardi mufsidin. Do not cause corruption in the land. And in 84 to 85, do not shed each other's blood. Cause corruption, shed blood, cause corruption, shed blood. They called it, by the way. Angels called it, yeah. Next up, God replied to angels, I know that you, what you manifest, I know what you conceal. 
God says to Israelites, do not mix truth with falsehood and conceal the truth while you know. So it's reversed, right? Next, God commands angels, usjudu li Adam, they prostrate except Iblis. God commands Israel's enter the gate prostrating. Sajidin, so sajadu, uh, sujadan. Uh, uh, you hear the similar even in Arabic, right? Sajadu, sujadan. And the last one, not the last one, the last one I had the energy because I got tired of writing this stuff out. God told them in verse 35, told Adam and his wife, eat from it plentifully wherever you wish. In 58, enter this town, eat from it wherever you wish plentifully. So it's the same thing, but twisted, just reversed. Like it's juxtaposed against each other, subhanAllah. Can we just, just, can I pause? Can we just throw out this really BS thesis that Quran is random? Can we just all agree at least? Word of God or not, can we just throw that away that this book is a jumbled mess? Can we just completely throw it away? Do you see how interconnected this is? We're not even talking about section two and its anchors, but just between the first two. SubhanAllah. I mean, this thesis of that it's, it's, it's a mess is just, what are you talking about? It's a mess. Are you not seeing this? Yeah. And now, of course, let's do the macro view of section two really quickly, very quickly, okay? I call to attention that section two, verses 40 to 121. Pay attention to that. In the beginning, so we'll do, uh, uh, we'll do this so far. We have this ring structure. I'm going to quickly go through it. The first one, ad- address to the Israelites. And of course, at the end, address to the Israelites. The first one, believe and be faithful. The last one, most of the Israelites disbelieve. Oh, sorry, address to the messenger. So address to the Israelites, address to the messenger, believe and be faithful. And the conclusion, most of them disbelieve. See that? He's addressing somebody and then he has the conclusion. And B, address to the Israelites again. Beware of judgment day. God will not save you from consequences of your own deeds. And in B prime, address to the messenger. The disbelieving Israelites covet this world and are merely stalling their punishment in the afterlife. Warning of punishment in the afterlife, stalling their punishment in the afterlife. You see the connection? And C, address to the Israelites. You worship the golden calf, but God was willing to turn to you in forgiveness. And C prime, Another address to the Israelites, you disbelieve by worshiping the golden calf, the famous story. The, this is what the Baqarah is obviously named after. This incident, Baqarah, yeah, the cow. Okay, and then D, address to the Israelites, you repeatedly disbelieve and violated the covenant. Address to the believers, do you have, do you have hope still that the Israelites will believe when they repeatedly, repeatedly disbelieved and violated the covenants? So we're continuing the pattern that we're expecting, and you get the idea. However, oh, wait, um, I didn't include the rest. I'm just going, I, I included the rest. I included the rest. To 21, notice how it starts a brand new structure. A brand new, so it starts from the beginning. It goes out and in, out and in, you see that? So from the beginning again, faith versus disbelief in the messenger, Faith versus disbelief in the messenger and revelations. It starts and ends with the same thing. In B, God owns and has power over all things. Uh, this should be B prime. God owns and has power over all things. C, exchange of faith for disbelief. This is a common theme in Baqarah of trading your soul for the dunya, basically, is what he's talking about. They trade their soul for the dunya. Who is more unjust than those who prevent God's name and being mentioned in places of worship? And here, people of scripture, they wish they could turn to you from faith, from faith establish prayer and give alms. Right? So uh, turning people away from worship and the worship itself. D, they say no one will enter paradise except for Jews and Christians. D, prime, the Jews and Christians accuse each other of having nothing to stand on. 
E, rather, whoever submits to God will have the reward with him. So you have reward in the middle. So two ring structures compiling this entire entirety of section two. I think you're seeing the pattern. Section one was all ring structures. Section two was all ring structures. And this repeats on. What I want to do really quickly, what time do we have? We have some time. Okay. What I want to do really quickly with you is an overview now. Let's zoom out completely. Obviously, we don't have time to go into section three and four and everything. I'll tell you right now, there are seven sections of Baqarah. Okay, seven sections of Baqarah. I already gave you the first two, right? The first one was faith and disbelief. The second one, criticism of Israelites, right? We talked about these two a little bit in depth, okay? Section three, Abraham's legacy. Section four, the change of the Qibla, of the prayer direction to the Kaaba. The Muslims used to pray towards Jerusalem because that's what Bani Israel used to pray towards. And Allah says, no, from now on, Muslims, when you pray, you don't face the uh, Al-Quds, you face the Kaaba. This, but I remind you, this is a really big deal because they are a new nation. This is what stamped them as a new nation, is a new Qibla, you understand? You are an entirely new, entirely new nation. Moving on, section five, Restoring Abraham's legacy. Number six, laws for the new Muslim nation. Old nation, new nation. And finally, struggle of believers against disbelievers. If you're going to take a picture, I would recommend you wait a little bit because we're not done yet. You see this, yes? One in seven, faith and disbelief, believers against disbelievers. So faith, the, the philosophy of faith versus the philosophy of disbelief and the struggle of believers against disbelievers even in war at the time. Two, criticism of the old nation. Six, new laws for the new nation of Muslims. Three, Abraham's legacy, alayhi salam. Five, restoring Abraham's legacy, alayhi salam. And I have to call out that the middle is the Kaaba. I mean, is that not? The middle is the Kaaba. And I, if you haven't connected it yet, each and every one of these, I assure you, have their own structures. Remember I told you like in nature, like things make the wafer on each other? From a cosmic to a microcosmic, the moon around the earth, around the sun, around everything that we don't even know, everything revolves. And even on the microcosmic, even on the atom, atomized level, electrons around the protons and the nucleus and everything, Quran does the same thing. Even Quran is making the wafer. <laughs> Even Quran is making tawaf. I want to call out one. Did you notice my uh, black box, by the way? I did that on purpose. I was hoping someone would. I, was gonna, I put like a yellow banner. Like, that's too much. So I deleted it. Uh, how many ayahs to Baqarah again? There's something really cool said in one in this part. It's a famous ayah. That is ayah 143. So in the middle, he said, I made you a middle nation. And 143 out of 286, literally half, yes? Halfway point. He interrupts the whole conversation and says, I made you a middle nation. Now, philosophically, we know that means that there are people way over here and way over here, and Muslims are always in the middle, as Allah defines it, always. We're not extreme. We're always in the middle. That's what Allah means by giving us an identity, a new identity as a middle nation. But come on, man. Of all places, he randomly put it here. It becomes silly, you know? It, it really, the more you look at it, the more, remember the choices? The more the second choice just becomes, prove it. 
Prove, what do you mean? It's a man said this. Subhanallah. Cool stuff, yeah? So we see now, we've seen the, the one large surah example. It took a while, but we got there. A large example of even Baqarah having this sort of symmetry and structure in, from the atomized level and even to the macro when you get in a helicopter and zoom out and look down on the whole thing, you see even a macro view, you see this kind of structure, okay? Now, I wanna bring this a little bit further, but not for too long, and we have like 50 minutes. So are you guys still good? You guys still with me? I know I'm gonna push you a little bit today, okay? First, I wanna talk to you about um, taking this a little bit further. We saw it work for Baqarah, we saw it work for small suda, small ayahs and everything. Does it work for the whole thing? Are there structures for the whole thing? You get the question? Really the question is, is the Quran in its entirety a ring structure? You get the question, yes? Let's talk about this. And this is why I mentioned this with the sources. First of all, I wanna say something, and I really wanna be clear about this. The point of this lecture is not, or in this one and the last one, is not to be like, go out and look for ring structures everywhere. That's not the point of this. In fact, I would actually, I'm gonna make a counterpoint. Every single surah, every single chapter needs to be looked at as if it's its own book. So you learned about Baqarah is organized like this. Okay, great. If you think you can go into Ali Imran chapter three, which is almost just as big and do this, you're mistaken. Ali Imran has, it's a whole new world. Surah, by the way, the reason I hate the word chapter, Surah has nothing to do with chapter. It's not even, literally, it's not even referencing a body of literature. Surah is a surah, is the walls of a city. Nothing to do with chapter. Surah is literally, if you have a, like Orland Park and you want to protect Orland Park, like back in the medieval days, you build a big wall around it and, and it protects everything in the city. It's as if every chapter, every surah is like its own city, its own world, and there's walls defining around it. And in the city, you cannot go from New York to San Francisco and, and expect the same exact thing, can you? That'd be silly. Different landmarks, different people, different culture, different language, different accents, different beliefs, different everything. They have some things in common. They both have a post office, a hospital or whatever, but the landmarks complete, different identities. You know what I mean by this, yeah? You go to a different city, even in America, and you're like, we don't do like that. We don't, we don't act like that in Chicago. We don't talk like this in Chicago. A surah, you have to really, every single one, I was a maniac to think I had time to give you an example of this, but maybe later. There's one surah that breaks the rule of ring structure completely, has its own rules. It's just, literally, I know I showed you a lot of examples, but my favorite one is nothing that I showed you. It's actually, I'm not gonna tell you what it is yet, maybe I'll tell you later, inshallah. But it's just so intricate that it's even more special than any ring structure you've seen so far. Maybe, Maybe I'll tell you later, not next week, but in the future, inshallah, we'll go through the surah in detail. But my point is, you make sure that you don't just go and looking for ring structure, go and looking for structure, period. Treat every surah with respect and look for its own structure and themes and the way that it's trying to make an argument. Yes, is that clear? Um, now into the question, I wanna talk a little bit about where I got this stuff from because it, it bleeds into this last conversation we're gonna have. Number one, there's a book by Naman Ali Khan called Divine Speech. I realize though, these are not his ideas. I wanna be clear. None of this is his work. Something I learned about NEK is that a lot of what he does is just kind of like learn from scholars what we can't learn and he tries to teach us. He has his own thoughts, but, but anyway, this work of his is basically um, reiterating the work of these three men, Mustansir Mir, Mir, Neil Robinson, Raymond Farron. Mustansir and Raymond, may Allah reward them, they're both Muslim. I don't think Neil Robinson is. 
but he did a lot of work on structure of the Quran. I want to be clear, structure of the Quran has been a conversation for like over a thousand years, but ring structures were only discovered around 50 years ago. Isn't that crazy that for a thousand years people are staring at this book and they just found this out two generations ago, by the way? Like what else is hidden in this thing? What else is there? A thousand years and you just found out about this. Like you and I are one of the first in human history to have even talks like this. You ever think about that? It's wild. It makes you think what else is in this book? Like, you know, when Allah says that if the, at the end of Kaf, if the oceans were ink for my Lord to write, that, my, the, that the ink would be exhausted before the words of Allah have been exhausted. It may, what else is there? You can look at this thing for a million years and not be done finding stuff. You know what I mean? Subhan, it's wild. Um, but I want to talk about this last guy. His name is Raymond Farron, may Allah reward him. He's a convert. This is him, super cute guy. Uh, he wrote this book that I also read, not all of it, but about half. But I, I took the things that I needed. He is a convert. He's from Berkeley. He studied in Berkeley, California. Master of Arabic, mashallah. He teaches at the University of Dubai. I reached out to him because I found a PDF format of his book that I used and now I, th- I feel bad about because I don't know if he allowed that to happen. So I, and I want to share it with you guys, but I asked him permission. Like, can I please share it? And he hasn't gotten back yet. <laughs> I'm not cool enough for Raymond Farron. But he actually converted after finding this stuff. He discovered this stuff. And then took his shahada and then started teaching Quranic Arabic in Dubai. People are really mad because obviously he's, he's white. They're like, I'm gonna learn Arabic from an Americani? You know, <laughs> like they get really mad at him, subhanAllah. But uh, I really recommend these two books. It goes into a lot more detail than I did. Um, I have the PDF, but I need permission before I share it with you, okay? So, but this book is online. It should be around 20 bucks. I really recommend it. Um, but on to this conversation. That is to say, now why did I talk about sources? The question again, I'm gonna impose again is, can you apply ring structure, wake up back up please, wake back up, yeah? The question I'm gonna impose on you again is, can you apply ring structures to the entire Quran? The reason why this is a little bit hard to answer is because we discovered this like 60 years ago, dude. This is still new. We need a lot more work on this stuff. Who knows what else is in there? You understand? However, I will say Raymond Farron, may Allah reward him, did make a thesis. And I'm gonna call it a thesis. I'm fairly convinced by it. I think some parts, to be completely honest, are a little bit of a stretch, but some parts I'm like, absolutely, that's, that, that tracks. I'm gonna share some of it with you, okay? But again, it's a thesis. You understand? More work needs to be done. He did the first, the first draft of humanity about ring structure and Quran, you understand? And we're gonna study, look at that together right now, but a lot more work needs to be done, okay? Before I go into that, just a little really cool thing. It was uh, the habit of the Sahaba, the companions, the, the disciples of Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that uh, they would read the Quran, some of them, every seven days. So every seven days, they would break it into seven parts and read it, you understand? So they would divide it by sevens and then on Sunday they would read and they'd be finished by Saturday night. You get the point, yeah? A really cool thing that was recently found by this is that if you do this, then on the first day, you will read three complete surahs and then five complete surahs and then the third day, seven and then nine, 11, 13. You see, by the way, three, five, seven, nine, 11, 13, you see the odd number. And then at the end, 65, which is divisible by 13. <laughs> That's so structure is there, absolutely, because I mean, this is a little too on the nose, right? But let's take it a little bit further. This is not Raymond Fair, and that's just a hadith. We knew this from, like a, from literally Sahaba's time, we knew this. This is not new information. However, let's take a step further. Let's do Raymond Fair, and let's make him look like a mad scientist, yeah? In 
freaking eight minutes. Okay. Oh, I spoiled it. Okay. Uh, this is going to look like a lot and I'm going to look kind of crazy, but listen, okay. I sound probably, I got raspy. I'm going to look kind of crazy right now. Just listen, relax, calm down. Hassan, relax, relax. Okay. Let's that. Ready? I'm just joking. He's fine. He's not bothering me. Okay. So how do I even begin? He divides it by these two systems. Just stick with me here. Okay. Just relax. So up here, you have Bakr, you have chapters two to five. And on the bottom, you have 47 to 49. In the middle, you have chapters 50, I want to say to 50, yeah, 50 to 56. And then you have another ring structure of surahs here and here. So it's two separate ring structures mirrored against each other. This, by the way, these are not verses, they're surahs. You understand that, right? Yeah. So he's saying these surahs have something to do with these. These have to do with these. And then these with these. Okay, I'm going to give you some examples, not a lot because we don't have a lot of time and I sound crazy right now on camera. So we're going to only talk about system A because he calls them system A and system A prime. Focus here, just a few examples. Okay. And, and by the way, I'm going to call out where I'm especially convinced. The rest I'm accept, but not totally, but I'm going to call out where I'm like, this one makes a lot of sense. Okay. My own opinion. In A and A prime, meaning when we're talking, forget this side for now, we're talking about this side, yeah? In A and A prime, I don't want to keep pointing because I don't have time. You guys are following me, right? On the left side. Are the only two references of the word Mecca. I want you to appreciate this. The word Mecca is only said twice in Quran and he's saying that one is here and one is here. That to me is freaking convincing. The first time is Becca, the second time is Mecca. When we talk about precision, we'll talk about this more. Why Becca, why Mecca, why Becca here, why Mecca here? We'll talk about that. That's an answer for next session. When's our next session, guys, by the way? December 9th. 9th. My brother's, that was a bad decision. By me, not by you. Uh, That was my brother's birthday, my bad. Okay, I'm terrible at planning things. Anyway, in two, Becca is used. In In 47, Mecca is used. Or in this group, Mecca is used. That's a little convincing to me. Yeah, that the only two times the word is used. In 2196, it's a con- it contains a calls for Muslim to do Hajj. In Surah 48 down here, it discusses the, it discusses the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, which occurred during the first attempt to do Hajj. That's kind of wild. So do Hajj. Here's a reaction to you doing Hajj. In why does it keep doing that? In 2148 and 4913, it talks about pluralism that we made you in different tribes and different people so you get to know each other. Uh, let's talk about B, which is 6 to 9, and, and then 40 to 46. We have the only references to Mecca as, I quote, Umm al Qura, the mother of cities. The first one is in this group, and the second one in 40 to 46. So again, that's convincing because it's the only two times God used it. You know what I mean? And He saved it for this. It's just too much of a coincidence to me, right? Uh, and then, but Allahu Alam, of course. The next one, special references to God's forgiveness. And even the surah titles in surah 9 up here, you have uh, Tawbah. And over here, you have Ghafir. Repentance and the forgiver. That's, that's kind of wild. Still with system A, you have in C and C prime. Both contain exclamations. This one's really cool, man. Both have these basically quotations of people on the day of judgment proclaiming Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Right? One happens in 10, the other happens in 39. Next, on 10, you have an emphasis of Prophet Yunus alayhi salam, 
literally because it's a surah named after him, the surah 10. And then in 37, um, uh, you have another emphasis on Yunus salam. So like his story is mentioned in both of these. The former focuses on his people being saved. The latter, the latter one focuses on him being saved from the whale. So his people saved, him being saved. In D, so this one and this one, contains surahs named after insects. 16 is the bee, 27 the ant, 29 the spider. That's kind of cool. And then in 21, so in this section, you have accusation that the Prophet ﷺ was a poet. And in 26, you have the chapter called The Poets, con- contrasting his character against the poets of Arabia. The claim that he's a poet, the negation that he's a poet. You see that? And then in the middle, Pilgrimage is a main theme of 20 to 24, which makes a lot of sense because Mecca was only mentioned here and here. The mother of all cities was mentioned only here and here. Pluralism was mentioned. And Hajj is supposed to be a place where you go and meet other people and get united. So unity is basically a common theme. And the ultimate unity of pilgrimage is in the very center of this system. A little mad science-y, but I mean, that is a li- that's, more needs to be done. This is not everything, by the way. This is like, I chose like my favorite five or six, or the ones I had time to write down, okay? I'm gonna make it a little bit more crazy, really quickly, okay? Don't be scared, just relax. He actually says that not only this, but even if you look at the whole thing, it's a mirror image of itself. I wanna give a few examples. In Surah 20, Allah tells Moses, or Moses salam asked Allah, asked God, Expand for me my chest, right? And then that's in 20. So where is that? Right here in E. And then in E prime, you have sharh. Didn't we expand for you your chest? Uh, in 16, the angels and spirit descended with his command. And then in 97, the Quran is sent down, the angels and spirit descended by your Lord's permission, by his permission, by his command. And then I'm gonna end it with this, the obvious. Fatiha is in the beginning, Fatiha is in the beginning, Nas and Falaq are at the end. What's the connection between Fatiha and Nas? It should be obvious. Literally the end of the book, the end and the beginning of the book. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Maliki Yawmiddin, and then everyone with Nas, Kul A'udhu Bi, Rabbin Nas, Malikin Nas, like Malik, Ilahin Nas, like Allah. It's like it ends where it begins, dude. It's wild. And then also he called attention to the middle, with um, 54 and 55, and, 50, and 54, he quotes at the end of it in Surah Al-Qamar, in the presence of the most powerful sovereign, Malik Muqtadir, Malik like Malik and Malik, yes, the same roots. And then in uh, Rahman, repeated over 30 times. So you have Rabb and Malik even in the middle. Rabb Malik, Rabb Malik, Rabb Malik. It's a theory. <laughs> it's a theory. Uh, we're out of time. Next session, December 9th, my brother's birthday, next, next, yeah, December, my brother's birthday, December 9th, uh, we're going to be talking about precision of Quran. We're done with structure. Uh, Mailer, where do you guys for your time? I'm sorry, we kind of got a little bit rushed, but there's a lot to share with you guys today. I'm going to share this PowerPoint and the recording with you sometime in the next few days, inshallah, okay? Mailer, where do you guys make us people of Quran? We'll see you guys December 9th. Well, next week is Tanzil with who? Sheikh Ifah? Yeah. With Sheikh Ifah, same time. I'm not coming back until the 9th, inshallah. Okay?